Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. So I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. These episodes are recorded from my live Discord sessions where people from my community ask their questions all about family law and I try to answer them. If you would like to take part and ask a question yourself, I welcome you to join my Discord by clicking the link in my profile. Obviously, everyone that asks me a question knows that they're being recorded live for the podcast and I'm not giving advice. All I'm doing is making sensible suggestions and signposting. So, enjoy the episode. Olie, Olie, what's your question? Um, so, just to give us a quick, quick bit of background. Um, so, I am currently going through divorce proceedings with my ex-wife. Um, yeah. We were married for four years. Um, we have no children. Um, we have a shared asset, which is a house. Um, we are in the process of getting that on the market for sale, um, and we both agreed verbally um, that we would be taking a 50-50% split of that, which I'm in agreement with. Um, I've since had a email from my ex now putting her, her basically her demands to me for, in terms of a financial settlement, um, and she's put in a request that she is expecting spousal maintenance for a period of one year post her departing the house. Yeah. Now, currently, I'm not in the property. Um, I'm renting an alternative accommodation so while she remains in there, um, and we split in April um, last year, so she'll be in there almost a year coming up too soon. Um, What's her entitlement to spousal maintenance when there's no children involved? So spousal maintenance is based on need. Obviously, I can't tell you from what you've just said, um, what if, if any, the amount she'd be entitled to, but it's based on need. So what she needs mm-hmm. to do, first of all, is provide what we call an expenditure schedule. And what that will do is, is ask her to fill out everything that she needs on a monthly basis. So not what she wants. So her rent slash mortgage, all her utility bills, car repayments, insurance, phone, anything like that. And then it will, you know, give us a, you know, spit out 2,000, 2,500, whatever that is uh, per month. Then we look at what she's got coming in. And if she only has, let's say, £1,500, then the difference between the two figures are what she says that she needs, okay? Then Mm -hmm. the next um, uh, thing to look at is what you have by way of disposable income. So it's all very well if she Mm -hmm. says, well, I need £500 a month, but you might not have £500 a month disposable income. So then we're going to assess Mm -hmm. what actually you've got available, taking into account your needs. And of course, the Mm -hmm. third area of consideration is, can she apply for spousal maintenance? You know, generally spousal maintenance is for people who haven't worked for a little while because they've been at home with the children. Mm -hmm. And dependent upon the length of the marriage, it might be for two years, it might be for 10 years, it might be for life. Obviously, the longer you're married, Mm -hmm. the longer it will be for. But if there's no medical issues, if there's no children, if there's nothing preventing her from obtaining full-time work, then all of that will weaken her case, okay? She she is actually, she she does work, um, albeit not full-time. Right. But she has an an income, um, I believe. Well, she's she's based her income, I think she's said to me, it's based off of the, the last average of three years, although... Sorry, there's an echo. Um, although bearing in mind that for one of them years she didn't work out of choice, um, so I supported us financially. Um, but um, she's would she also be entitled to, or would her needs and my disposable income be based off of 
salary that was earned at the time of marriage or current salary? No, current salary. It's what you've got now. Okay. Yeah. Right, okay. And, and I, I suppose in order to to come to an agreement, I mean, she's told me that if I don't agree to the amount that she's set out, then um, she'll be prepared to go, uh, to, go to court over this, um, whether or not that's a threat or, or an actual... Um, or she's willing to do so. Um, but I just wanted to kind of understand really where, where yeah. she's living, if she actually has a, a reason to apply or has a, a, a reasonable... Um, yeah. Case. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and and if she does make her application to the court, don't be intimidated by that. Just because someone's made mm-hmm. an application to the court does not mean that their application's going to succeed. I say that all the time. Lots of people that make an application to the court, their application actually fails. Right. Okay, okay. so just first, because... She... The first step is to ask for an expenditure schedule. Yes, well, she, the, the, I, I, would leave, I would leave that to her. You know, to don't sort of do her own... Um, her work for her um, you know I think you're going to have to let let her provide you with that don't don't sort of be putting ideas into her head you know what I mean um, and yeah. and you... I think I mean I would like to try and agree this okay with her and okay I mean she's, she's asking for a settlement of 600 pound a month I wouldn't be comfortable with that yeah especially for a period of one year post her moving out but I would maybe agree to a lower amount yes um, and give my reason fair for enough justification why I believe she's earned a entitled to less than what she's currently requesting fair enough that seems like a sensible plan okay excellent Thank you very much. you're welcome thanks bye-bye Thank you. hello mart how are you and kathy says uh two seconds my son has two daughters one 18 months and one two-year-old his ex is playing games with him he's walked away done the mediation last year no problems with contact but she won't put him on the birth certificate i've told him to fill a c100 but asking would they have to prove to go to mediation again for a court um, to grant PR to dad? So if the current mediation certificate is over three months old, and it might not be because obviously we're only in January, even though she says last year, but if it is over three months old, yes, they will have to get another MyAMS form. Right, okay. Okay. I don't, I don't know if you, if you want to work this, Trace. i got about three or four others. Do you want to sporadically yeah. them out or do you just want to hear them out? No, just, just one at a time. Actually, just before you go on to the next one, Cathy says, yes, it is. So Cathy's on TikTok. So Cathy, if that MyAMS form is over three months old, then you your son is going to have to go back and get another one. Cathy says, thank you. Right, brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Next one. So her question is, that she's a grandparent, yeah. um, been having regular contact with uh, the grandchild for the last nine years, but now this has stopped. Um, do grandparents have any right to see grandchildren? They do have rights, absolutely, um, but only if they are spending significant amounts of time with the grandchildren. So, you know, it was announced years back that all grandparents have rights and, and made the front page of the papers and every grandparent in the land was trying to then see their grandchildren. But you'll only be given that right of audience, if you like, if you have um, had a regular relationship with the child. Because what the court's going to want to be um, shown is that it's impacting on the child the fact that they're not having a relationship with the grandparent anymore. Okay, so it's not in the child's best interest to stop that relationship with the grandparent. So if the grandparent can prove they've been a regular um, in that child's life, then yes, they can make their application. 
Right, okay. Perfect. And this user wanted to stay anonymous. Okay. So it's pretty long-winded. Yeah. But I will warn you, it's in the Scottish courts. Okay. So the, I always preface by saying that Scottish law and England and Welsh law is completely different. So England and Wales are the same. Scottish is completely different. Um, I would probably suggest well i would suggest that they seek information from a scottish family law solicitor because whatever i say may not apply to them yeah no that's fine all um, right i did advise him of that yeah um but um he i think he just wanted to ask the question anyway yeah and i think yeah and i think that that's it from me oh, oh lovely. sorry one more yeah there was one from Duchess. Yeah. I kind of preempted the answer because I kind of know what's going on in the courts. Yeah. Um, so she's looking for um, the, the baby's dad to engage in contact with the child. And I kind of explained to her the courts will not force a parent into contact correct. with the child. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. So, um, I just wanted to clarify that with you. Yes, yeah. that just is what. It... Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right there, Mark. That they won't. Unfortunately, if Dad doesn't want to see um, the children or the child, then she, there's no point in her making a, a contact application because the court will give her the order, but they can't actually force Dad to turn up and have that contact. Oh yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank and you, Mark. Appreciate that. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tris. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys, hope you're enjoying the episode. Just wanted to jump in and remind you that my brand new family law courses go on sale this coming Sunday, the 22nd of January at 9am. I've done three courses to help you guys represent yourself, one covering divorce, one covering children, one covering finance. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Shaheen, you're next up. You got a question for me? Uh, well, actually, I'm going through this uh, financial settlement with my ex. Yeah. And uh, during, uh, during the winter break, I got all his financial disclosures. So uh, the, the outcome is, looks like that we've got two properties. Uh, one property was uh, interest only for the last eight years. Yeah. And the other property, he had some equity, about 80,000, which he've taken half of it already. Mm -hmm. So there's actually nothing left in, in the marital pot. And uh, I, I mean, uh, where do, do I stand in terms of, of this kind of, uh, you know, malpractice in the accounts? He's deprived us with the properties. I'm not living in the property. The, the other flat... The amazing it uh, was on rent. He was taking all the rental income for the last two and a half years since we've separated. So where do I stand? So essentially, any financial order that's decided following a divorce can only deal with the assets that are available. So if the money's gone, the money's gone. And I know that's a bit of a harsh reality, but that is the reality, unfortunately. Okay, so uh, whatever benefit from the market value I get, that's the only benefit I get. That means. Well, it, it you won't you might not get it all. Um, it it will depend on the yeah. assets that are available and the needs of the party. So you know, if I gave you an example, if if somebody withdraws all the money from the joint account and spends it, um, just gambles it all on red, for example, doesn't mean that the mm -hmm. the rest of the marital assets will automatically go to the other person. Because what the court's concerned with is that both parties' housing needs are met and income needs are met. So you, you, you're, you're only going to be able to work with what you've got left. 
I see. And that, that will see. still be shared between you both? So it will not be considered if, if there's a medical condition and plus I've got two children? That, that Yes, absolutely. That might, you know, bring you away from 50-50. But what I'm saying is don't think that because he's already mm -hmm. had a lump sum that you're going to get 100% of what's left. That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay. All right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Aisha, you are next up. What's your question? Um, basically, yeah. Um, I was on a um, child in need plan um, for that ended. I think it was either 2021 or 2022. Yeah. And that uh, was closed. But um, I did disclose to my counsellor that I had a small blip over Christmas. And now they're saying that I have to inform my health visitor. My health visitor has called a three-way meeting, which we ain't had yet. But I just, well, my question is that I just want to know what's the chances that I will get referred back to social services? Because my son's only been in harm. He was completely safe. He weren't with me. Yeah. So I think, Jem, it, it depends on the history of this matter. It, it, it's a really good question, but by the same token, it's a really difficult question to answer. Um, historically, you know, if your child is on um, a, a sort of a child in need plan, then all eyes will be will be on him. Um, and any kind of um, blip, as you referred to it, that, that you may experience will potentially have a negative impact so it may well go back to social services yes but it's difficult for me it's yeah. go on i know you don't know my case yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah um it even i think you what you were going to ask me is even though your son wasn't with you again it that will depend on the blip that will depend on the history that will depend on you know what what the circumstances are um, but what I would say is that, you know, when you are under the glare of social services, you, you've got to be squeaky clean, you know, squeaky, squeaky clean. Um, I mean, all parents, you know, um, none of us are perfect as long as, you know, we're keeping our children safe. But when you when you are under the glare of social services, you've just got to be so careful. Even when I have been cleared, my case was closed and everything. This well, is why I'm hoping I'm so yeah 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 absolutely um but it still might make them nervous because you know it, it, it they could see it as a slippery slope and here we go again same as last time i don't know gem is the honest answer all i'm saying to you is that you know when social services are involved you've just got to be whiter than white Okay, no, thank you. All right, oh, thank you. good thank luck, you. Jim. That's all right, you're welcome, pleasure. Okay, bye. Whenever you're ready, Francis, ask me your question. Well, okay. Ultimately, um, I'm still married. I'm just over the five-year mark. Um, the five-year mark would have been last um, July. Um, we separated in July 17. There was a non-molestation order in place due to domestic violence, and I don't want to go into that for obvious reasons. I broke that. He was never on the tenancy. We were local authority at the time. Um, and he was on the council tax, so that's it. It was for about eleven months because it was it was only something like a three or four year marriage, and we broke up about three or four, three times. Third time was enough. Um, so he was never actually on the tenancy. Um, he was on the council tax for eleven months, I think, and if that was ended in October sixteen, and then we got back together again, but it was like like uh, sofa surfing. 
um, sleeping in the van sort of thing, you know. And then we found this bit July 17. My question is ultimately because since then I have bought the pro local property, which was has always always been on my name only um, as the tenant. So I've bought the property in 2020, to, just over two years ago. Now we're now over the two year, uh, the five year marriage rule that's just changed, hasn't it? Yeah. Recently. Yeah. Um, has he still got rights to my property, even though he's never on the tenancy? Yes, because it's a matrimonial asset. So it's not that he's got rights to the um, property as such. What we do is we, we pool all of the assets together, regardless of whose name they're in, and then we look at what the party's needs are. But of course, Francesca, yeah. that's only if he, if he challenges you for that. You know, what I would be encouraging you to do is if you, if you are going to get divorced, is do it and get your clean break order. That's the only way you're right. going to protect that property. He openly said to me that he was going to make it difficult for me. That's why I waited for this five-year rule business. Um, so, and I wanted to put my son, because my son still lives with me. He's a, he's a grown adult now. Um, and I wanted all my this property to go to him Yeah. in a will. I'm not sure what you mean by the five-year rule, Francesco. Are you just talking about a divorce based on five years separation? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that business. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. So now, it's all right. So now, um, it's just like a, a divorce based on the fact that the marriage is irretrievably broken down. That's all. Um, but yeah, that that that's what you need to be doing is sorting out the divorce and then a clean break. Now, just because he says to you, "I'm going to make this as difficult as possible," um, obviously we'd need to sit down and have a look at what's available. Because if there is little equity in that property, the court's not going to make you sell it to sort of divide, you know, a couple of thousand pounds between the two of you. So that's where you'd need to take the advice then. And that will give you peace of mind because then you'll be told yeah. um, exactly what he's entitled to, if anything. Because what you've told me what you've got, but I don't know what he's got. Do you know what I mean? He might have a bigger uh, income than you. He might have a bigger pension than you. So one will trade off against the other. Taxes. Okay. He's a self-employed joiner and he doesn't declare taxes and he's in a, um, a shared accommodation. Right. Um, he's from a different city, but he decided to move around the corner from where I live. Um, there's, there is quite a bit of equity because I got something like 48% off the local authority property, you see. Right. So there is quite a lot of equity. But the council say that you can't sell the house within five years anywhere. And if I do sell it, I have to sell it back to the local authority. Yeah. That's the clause of the property. So I'm not, I'm not sure the court's going to make you sell it because it's your home. I think alternatively mm. what they might suggest is that he maybe take a charge on the property for a certain amount and you pay him off in five years' time, something like that. But you, you're going to have to take some legal advice, Francesca, because, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. that that's sort of the premise of, of, of what the law is going to say. But the detail is where you need the, the advice. Yeah, even though there was a non-mal involved in things. Yeah. yeah, has no relevance to finances, unfortunately. Yeah. No. No, no, that's fine. Okay, All right. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for your question. Bye-bye. Hey, Captain, how are you? A couple of things. The first one I'm going to start off with, um, just by looking through the server recently. You know, you, you mentioned quite a lot about this one-hour consultation with a family law solicitor when it yeah. comes to finances. Yeah, I do, yeah. Can you give any um, 
what would you ask in that consultation? What do people need to bring with them? You know, if you were to give that consultation to somebody. Yeah. So I don't ask them to bring anything with them. So I always start by asking how long is the marriage? Um, because I need to establish if it's a short, mid-term or long relationship because that's going to affect the advice I give. If there's any periods of cohabitation prior to marriage, um, so sometimes people are living together for five years and then get married, and if that's the case, I'm going to include that five years. So we could go from a 15-year marriage to now we've got a 20-year relationship. And the reason I ask that question is it's very important when I'm giving advice about pensions. Um, I will then go on to um, the age of the parties, you know, and the reason I ask that is I'm trying to establish how much longer they've got to work. Um, you know, if they're an elderly couple, then I have no opportunity for them to pay into their pensions anymore. I'm then going to ask um, if there's any children particularly dependent children I'm not so concerned with over 18s because the court don't take that into account so I'm looking for any under 18s if we do have under 18s I'm then asking you know upon separation who are those children going to be living with because if they're going to live with one parent and have contact with the other then the live with parent is is a factor that would push me away from advising 50 50 and I'd be sort of suggesting a 60 40 split I'm then going to be asking about medical Medical conditions. Does anybody have any medical conditions that need to be factored in that perhaps means that they, their needs are greater or that it prevents them from working and therefore their income needs are greater? Um, I'm going to be asking about pensions. You know, do we have any pensions here? Um, if so, have we got any idea of the value of the pensions? That's not so important. Um, have we got any equity in the properties, any savings? And then finally, debts. What sort of debts uh, do we have? And particularly, are those marital debts? And there's a conversation then around, you know, any debts that have happened maybe post-separation. Because sometimes when people speak to me, they're already separated for, you know, two or three years. So any debts that are accrued after separation are probably not matrimonial debts. So I get all of this information and then at the end of the consultation, what I'm sort of saying is, right, based on what you've told me, you're going to be entitled to, you know, a 60-40 split, a 70-30 split. And then we'll talk about what that looks like, you know, because it's all very well giving the percentages, but actually somebody might not want the pension. They might be more concerned in having the equity in the property. So then I'm going to establish what it is that will suit them because I can give the law, but then how do we apply the law um, as, as is going to suit them um, better? And then at the end of it, we'll talk about strategy, next steps. You know, perhaps there are a budget and they want to continue from there so I'll tell them what to do or alternatively I'm going to be drafting a letter to the other side so you know and that's why sometimes people email me and say can I just have a quick 15 minute chat but I know from experience it does take the full hour um you know, because there's such a lot to get through. But so they don't need to prepare at all because any figures that are missing is absolutely fine. Um, you know, we can fill in those gaps later on. I can still tell them or advise them as to what they're going to be entitled to. Thanks, Tracy. That's really helpful. All right. Good. Um, I'm I glad. we got something from that. Um, this other one is, it's they, they want to stay anonymous. They've, they've messaged me directly on Discord. Sure. Um, they can't, they're um, <clears throat> in DV and their other half is probably listening in as well. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to mention any names or anything. Yeah. Um, but it's, so the question is, it would be useful to know for someone like me who is on the way to divorce, I've asked him to leave 
that he refuses context his other half needs help with mental health problems and he's emotionally abusive what would they need to do to get the most out of oh it's basically what i've just asked you oh. <laughs> regarding divorce yeah i don't have any money or job currently another other half is refusing to leave at the moment okay so i think if there's domestic violence involved what i would be saying there is that they're most likely entitled to legal aid um, because that's the only way we'll get legal aid for family law now. And the first step that they need to take is to call the civil legal advice line. Um, and I'll give that number out now. Um, I should I should put this on Discord somewhere, actually. Um, but the number is 0345-345-4345. And that is the... It's the civil legal advice line. And they, the calls take between 15 to 20 minutes and they will run through some criteria. And at the end of the call, they will tell them if they qualify for legal aid or not. Because with domestic violence, chances are she'll get it. And then if she gets a legal aid solicitor, she won't have to pay anything. And she can get whatever it is, divorce, finance, occupation orders, whatever she's looking for, she'll get help then from the legal aid solicitor. Okay, so that's the best thing to do with that. Best thing to do, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for Fab. everything you do, Tracy. Oh, you're welcome. So comments from people saying you're fantastic. Oh, thanks, Captain. I couldn't do it without you lot, so I do appreciate your time. Thank you. No, we appreciate you as well. Oh, thanks so much. Take care. You too. Bye, Captain. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Rick, you there? There we go. You got a question for me? Hello. Hello. It might be something that you possibly is not in your remit or that you do, I know it's more divorce and children, etc. but... Yeah. I've got um, a strained relation with my father, and he's had a partner for a very long time, for about 30 years. He's in bad health. He yeah. has three grown-up children. I am one of. And he's told me that in the past, in arguments, that she has never had any posts sent to the house. I want my house being left to you. Yeah. Um, he is, as he gets older and more frail and iller, I say, what, what do you want me to do when you're not around, Dad? And his answers are, don't, don't go there, don't talk about it. I said, well, if you want your, your house to go to your partner even, even just, just tell me, it's not about what I want, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Us three children, well, my sister perhaps a bit more, but me and my brother, I'm not very keen on his partner, never have been. She's got a son who is, um, who I don't think she's very keen on, or my, my dad's not very keen on her son and those three children have only met him once in 30 years. So he, he I, I think he wants her to have the house, but doesn't want, but possibly would like us to have the house when she's gone. Okay. They, who would, who would, would she be entitled to all of the house, half the house? They're not married. They've lived together. But he tells me that she's not down on paper of living in the house that he's told me a few times in the past. So you're right, Rick. This is outside of my area. So this would definitely be a better question for a solicitor that specialises in wills. However, what I can tell you is that if they're not married, um, it won't automatically go to her because that only happens to um, spouses. 
Um, so then right. it would you would look to the ownership of the property. So if right. you're if it's just the one person that owns the property, is, yeah, yeah, dad, yeah. Well, then then we'd look to his will. So I think the best thing you can do, Rick, and is he hasn't got one. well he hasn't got get one. get him to ma get him to make it's one. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, again, take some advice from a will solicitor. But I think if there's no spouse, it would go to next of kin, which could potentially right. be children. But check right. that check that out. Okay, thanks. Alright, no worries. Thanks, Much Rick. Thank You're you. welcome. Bye, bye bye. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the episode. Just wanted to jump in and let you guys know that what you're actually listening to is people on my Discord channel um, who ask me questions when I go live every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday between six and seven. So if you've got a question that you want to ask, by all means, feel free to join me. Or alternatively, if you just check out my Discord uh, channel anyway, you'll see that we've got three forums covering divorce, finance and children. So if you wanted to leave a question there, then one of the members of my community will be able to help. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Uh, Debbie, you're next up. Right, I was the one that sent you that really long message yesterday. Oh, hey, Debbie, hi. Um, <laughs> hi. <laughs> Me and my ex-husband were divorced in 2012. Yeah. Um, he's very, very bitter. Um, we're trying to sort out the finances here 10 years later. He hasn't paid a penny towards the mortgage. I've had to struggle and pay it all on my own, as well as the secured loan that's on the house. Yeah. It's the only asset we've got, apart from I found out he does have a 25 grand pension. Um, I don't know what to do as far as settlement is concerned. Am I due to get more than him? Is it worth going to court? Um, Debbie, that's really hard to answer over Discord because yeah. obviously there's, there's so many questions I want to ask you. Um, and mm. I don't know if did did I answer your email? Did you have I answered it yet? No. No, you said about coming on here. So oh, here I am. oh, Debbie. I've okay. Rubbish. I've spent nearly two grand. I've got nowhere. Um, okay. Just letters to and from. He's on mute most of the time. Yeah. Um, he wants fifty percent or nothing from what I can gather. Yeah. Um, I've sent valuations of the house. There's about eighty thousand pounds worth of equity. Yeah. He's settled in a house with his girlfriend of eight years. I believe it's mortgage free. Um, I obviously have only got this house, which is on interest only. I'm not paying a penny off of it at all at the moment. Yeah. And um, he's obviously got a pension as well, as I just said. Um, so so is your demand. is your question of me, Debbie, do you think, do I think you'll get more than 50%? Yes. Okay. So I think what one of the ways I could tackle this then um, without you revealing anything more to me, because obviously it, it, I don't want it to get too personal on Discord, um, mm. would be if your income is lower than his, if, yeah. um, if perhaps, do you have any dependent children living with you more than they live with he's, him? No, he, my son's an adult, but he right, okay. and his dad don't have a relationship at Okay. All. If you mentioned he's got a pension, if you haven't got a pension, that's another reason to shift it away from 50-50 in your favour. Um, yeah. Age comes into it. I won't ask you to, to give me that over, the, over this platform, but that does come into it, i.e. if you're closer to retirement age and therefore have less time to pay into your pension. Um, and of course the need. So you mentioned he was living with somebody. So his um, costs of living are 
halved effectively, whereas yours aren't. So you have a greater need than him. So that's just some of the triggers um, that would lead me to advise you that you're entitled to 50%. But what I would say, Debbie, is if you've spent two grand on a family law solicitor, have they not even told you what you're entitled to? Why? Um, it's very grey area. They won't mm -hmm. answer a direct question. They've literally just, I think they've been in it for the money, you know, letter, oh. letter, 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 arguing, you know, chasing. And I've had to chase them up for an answer for so many things. It's a shame. Um, it's just been difficult all the way. Um, but I just don't want to, I just, it's making me ill, the stress of all this, because he's just yeah. not budging on anything. Yeah. And you know, when you get to the point where you go to bed at night and you dream that you can't sleep, enough's enough. Yeah, so no, I appreciate I, that. Do I just offer him 25% of the equity and be done, or is it worth going to court? I, I don't know. Yeah, Debbie, I, I wouldn't advise you to go to court until you know exactly what you're entitled to. Um, it's mm. such a shame that your solicitor didn't just say to you, look, this is what we're going for. Are you sure there's mm. no letters or anything that they've said that to you in? No, I'm sure you, you, you no. know. Okay, okay. No. Um, so my suggestion would be, as hard as it is, just take that hour Take that hour with, uh, go back to your solicitor again and say, look, I'll happily pay, because they know your case. I'll happily pay you one more hour, but you've got to tell me at the end of it what I am entitled to, because I can't afford to keep paying you. I want to negotiate on my own moving forward. Tell me what I should be negotiating for. What am I legally entitled to? That's, I think, that, that'd be a better option than going to court, Debbie, because court's just going to drag it out, cost you a fortune. And you know what? Mm. If the advice is give him 25%, well, you're happy to do that today. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. That, yeah. that if Still I were you, I'd, I'd be doing that. Yeah, I'd be doing that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thank right. you very much. No worries. <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. Bye. Uh, Mumsy, you are next up. What's your question? Um, we've got two houses in the marriage. Yeah. Um, we did have a family home, and then my we was inherited another family home. We sold the previous one and moved into the inherited one. And previously, before that, he brought his um, father's mum's house. So basically, there's two houses in the marriage brought. Yeah. He's also got a business as well. Um, he wants a divorce, although he's not. Um, sent in all the paperwork or done anything about it um, and I've recently had an accident which leaves me unable to work um, basically I'm disabled I can't work anymore um, if it was to go down the court route the um, finances etc yeah if we sold the, this family home I'm in now with my 16 year old there won't be enough equity in the house so I could be rehoused but he's still got the other property that he brought from his father yeah. Would the court make, um, like, let me have the family home and he have the other home, which I think would be fair, or would they do it a different way? It would depend on the value of those homes, Mumsy. So what we, what we the starting point would be, we'd get the value of the equity in that home and we'd get the value of the equity in the second home and we add it together, and then we always work in percentages. So then we're going to look at... 
um, obviously what your needs are in terms of a property because let's say the equity in that home was I don't know a million pound for example um, it would be unfair of me to say to you absolutely you can keep that one and let him have the other one if the other one only has equity of sort of 200,000 in it so it's not a case of what you know keeping we have to look at the value of the property and then we have to try to apportion the assets um, fairly to both parties does that make sense Yes, yeah, I do yeah. understand that. Yeah. Um, he's got, um, like, motorbikes and cars, etc. Yeah. And he's got a business as well that he started um, with, his, with his friend. Yeah. Um, what, what would I be entitled to? I've never worked. I wasn't allowed to work. Yeah. So if you haven't worked, and obviously you've got a dependent child, that's a massive reason to depart from 50-50. So that's the first thing I would say. The other thing is that obviously you'll then be entitled to have your income needs met. So it might be that you um, ask for spousal maintenance, which is a maintenance payment for you and not for the child, based on the fact that during the marriage, he was content to have you at home, keeping house, rearing the child, um, and that therefore you aren't trained or, or maybe you're, you need retraining. Do you know what I mean? Um, we, yeah. we also take into account when people haven't worked for such a long time, there's a confidence issue there sometimes, not always, but sometimes there is. So yes, your income needs would definitely be looked at and it wouldn't always be put on your shoulders to fix that. We would look to the assets. If there are assets in the marriage, then we would be calling upon them to help. Yeah, he's got another bank account and he's trans we I still use the joint bank account. He doesn't live here, but he can afford to rent somewhere else. Yeah. And he, he just says he can't afford it. But I know he can because he gets a lot of cash work as well, which is not declared. Um <clears throat> obviously I, I don't know how I'm gonna go about proving that. Yeah, um, I would I would be looking at sometimes Depends what they're using the cash to pay for, okay? So if they're using the cash to pay, for example, for the rent each month, then there'll be no rental payments coming out of the bank statements. So we challenge it that way. Or if yeah, they use it... Who's every week? Like a 500 pound oh. time. Oh, right, and okay. Also, in 2017, he gambled about 28,000 pound and then he'd done it a few years ago as well. See, gambling's difficult because if you're aware of the gambling um, and it takes place during the marriage, we can't then ask the court to do an adjustment mm -hmm. for that on divorce. That money's gone. Yeah, no, that's why I understand that. Yeah, yeah. But by the same... Yeah, go on. They will help me, obviously, because I can't have a house because obviously if I, we sell this, I, I'm, I'm going to need a forever home and I don't want to move again. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just get a bit upset because no. I wanted to be a carer and yeah. I can't do that now. Okay. Um, ne ne never say never, Mumsy. I'm sure that you can. There'll be a way. There'll be a way through this to enable you to be a carer. That's the first thing that I would say. Um, the second thing is, I don't know how old your child is, but if you can afford to stay in that property, there is such a thing as a measure order. So you may be able to stay there until the child reaches the age of eighteen. Okay. Yeah. But again, I would prefer to sell so yeah. I could get somewhere. Okay. Then if that's your preference, yeah, that's an option as well. Absolutely. Um, also, one more question, sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Um, obviously, I'm on universal credit. Yeah. Um, you get a free... I'd like to come and see you or whoever it is in your offices. Yeah. Um, what, um, 
you get the first half hour free, is that right, or am I wrong? No, not 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 with us, Mumsy. But if you drop me right. an email, I'll be able to give you some signposting as to as to what we can perhaps do to help. Okay. So drop okay, drop brilliant. me an email and, and we can take it from there. When you drop me the email, just let me know that you're Mumsy on the on the Discord, okay? Because I'll remember that. Right. And am I right? Are you in Gloucester? Or am I not allowed to say that? Just... No, no, I'm not in Gloucester. I'm I'm in Wiltshire, but I'm not far from Gloucester. I'm probably about forty five minutes from Gloucester. But we do all the appointments over on the internet anyway, so it's not, you know, oh, the brilliant. sort of teams and that. It's not coming to the office anymore. Yeah, so my son's 16 years old and he's at work experience. Oh, bless him. So, all right then, okay. Thank Lovely. you so much for your time. Okay. I really appreciate your help. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Matthew, you are next up. What's your question? I've just got back. I had my first, uh, first hearing dispute resolution appointment hearing today. Yep. And it, it was pretty rushed because it was busy, which they stated straight away. And beforehand, I've seen, uh, I've got my own lawyer and that who I've spoke to, but I was recommended that I didn't need any help in this as it was only a resolution hearing. Yeah. So cut it short, a lot's been said. And basically the order, they put an order in place, they adjourned. And then when we come back, they said that they put an order in place. Now I'm really not happy with the order and some things I've told them I will have to break because I can't stick to taking them to school, my children to school in the morning. Uh, so the order they sort of told me, I had to tell them I couldn't stick to it. Now, after that, they says, well, you will have to uh, obviously, oh, go on, what's it called? When you're, oh, when you're not happy with it, you have to write back to them. Appeal? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, you can appeal. So all it is, everything was kind of thrown on me. I, I didn't get a position statement from the other party. I wasn't really, I, I just wasn't ready for what was happening, to be honest. And then with it ending with an order, I tried to tell them I wasn't happy or even prepared that an order was going to be made. But they said, with it being busy in the court, they do have the power to make an order. I'm, I'm just wondering in regards to what, I, what to follow up on really from that. Do I have any say in it or is it because it's an order, it's a done deal? Well, I think I think what I would have probably tried to do is to negotiate a resolve because it's pointless having an order that you can't comply with. Um, so I, I would have, you know, asked the court if we could adjourn for 30 minutes and, and take some further instructions outside of the courtroom to see if, OK, this is the order that the court have made. Does it need tweaking slightly? Now, that's still possible. Um, you know, if, if you and the other side are in agreement to, to some, some tweaking, I, I don't know yeah. how much needs changing, Matthew, to be honest. Um, is it something that you can just do a small fix to or is, does the whole thing need engineering? Uh, it is almost a small fix, but the problem is the communication with the other party. So we can only talk through a parenting app because of uh, some some well, violence that was against myself. Yeah. So we're not allowed to talk or be near each other. Okay, um, so could you use the parenting app to just tweak that? I mean, if, uh, if it's... I, I, believe, I mean, I believe I can try. So yeah. even though it says it in the order, if we can come to an agreement, we can just stick to that outside of the order. Absolutely you can. If, if both parents are in agreement, you can. You can even send the order back to court if both parents are in agreement and ask the court to amend it and put an explanatory letter as to why you're seeking it to be amended. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Um, hunting for Disney, Hannah. You're next up. What's your question? Well, it's quite complicated, actually. Me son is 12 
and about nines, that a course, uh, sorry, course also put in place for custody and stuff like that, and he just decided he didn't want to know anymore. He hasn't tried to contact him at all. He's never tried to see him, but now he's threatening to take me to court to get the court order reinstated. Would that still be expected to carry on the way it was before, like nine years of no contact? No, absolutely not, because the child has had no relationship with dad. So let dad take the... um, uh, the matter back to court and you would tell the judge exactly that what you've just told me uh, the court yeah, would not um, enforce an order that's nine years old and hasn't been yeah, enforced um, my son's got multiple disabilities as well so i don't know whether they take into consideration now his age and what he wanted with his disabilities um, so Kafkas would make a judgment call on that because obviously they would yeah. establish um, if when speaking to him, um, he knows his own mind and, you know, and he can give that sort of information to Kafkas. So don't worry too much about that. I think the bigger, the bigger picture is that there was an order nine years ago. Dad hasn't been bothered with it. I would be saying to the court, is it worth making another order? You, I mean, you've lost all trust in Dad. I would have, I would have thought. You know, you you go yeah, to completely. you, yeah, you go to the bother now of getting the children all prepped and ready to spend time with Dad and the rest of it, and then Dad does the same thing again. So that has to be taken into account. And and I suspect what the court might do is just make an order for maybe to begin with some FaceTime contacts, some telephone calls, and and have Dad do some work to re-establish that connection again with the children. Okay, Yeah. thank you so much. I was You're just welcome. worried that they were going to expect it to carry on. No, not at all, Hannah, not at all. All right. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Help. Okay, bye-bye. Leon, Lion, Zed, what's your question? Um, my ex made allegations of abuse, most of which I've been able to exonerate. Yeah. However, I've told she's still getting legal aid. Is there any way to stop this? as I believe it's prolonging the whole court process, which is currently two years now. Not through the court. making up new issues constantly, yeah. ultimately affecting the children. Yeah, so not through the court system, you can't. But if, if you feel that there's some jiggery-pokery going on, you can maybe go to the Legal Aid System itself, it's Legal Legal Services Commission. The Legal Aid Agency, actually, is what it's called now, I think. Um, so you, you can go to them if you suspect that she shouldn't get legal aid anymore. But ultimately, if she passes the criteria um, and she still qualifies, then she can continue in the court system. That's the that's the downside to legal aid, unfortunately. Yeah, I just thought you needed evidence for such a thing. Well, for the legal aid, she would just <clears throat> need to satisfy criteria. So that's means and merits tested. For the court application, obviously, she's relying on whatever evidence she does or doesn't have. I mean, I, I don't know what your case is, but so it's two two different sets of criteria. Yeah, for the second set of criteria, I definitely know she hasn't got anything. I mean, I've even been able to exonerate most of the things. So then, um, so then you would go back to court and you would ask for two things. You would ask that her application is dismissed. And you would ask that if she if she dares to raise another application, that perhaps she has to seek the permission of the court first. Okay. Yeah. No All right. All right. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank no you. No problem. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Uh, bye. Jack, Hi. you're you're next up. What's Hello. your question? Hello. Hi. 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 Uh, I've got a problem that I've got an opportunity to 
influencer call I've got here on the 25th. Yeah. And uh, they've said to me, well, I've been fighting to see the kids since 11 and 13. Yeah. Uh, I did have access to them when I split up in the first year, but they found out I got married, moved on, and then started throwing false allegations at me. I ended up, uh, after a year or two, having a very difficult time with the marriage because I was missing my children, lost my job last year as a CEO, and it had a severe impact on my mental health. I was forced to literally go back on knees to the family home and had a lovely time for six months up to February of 2022 last year. And again, she said, you're not divorcing her. And she, I would negotiate with my wife to leave her and she agreed that I've got a child with a disability. <clears throat> and uh, you know, if, if I'm needed there, she'll walk away, which was very noble of her. But she kept on insisting the mother who's been very manipulative, uh, financial abuse, and the list goes on. But now the courts have heard my original hearing and give me a final hearing. But they've said, help us, uh, very nice judge, the 14 and 16 and the same, they don't want to see you unless this, that, the other. And they've got very strong feeling. What sort of order can they put into place? I've said my kid's got exceptional circumstances because he's got a disability and he's under court protection. But the judge has asked me to persuade her, what would you suggest? And so far, I've spent a load on legal money, all my savings, my pension's gone on legal costs and it's got me nowhere. What's your ultimate goal, Jack? I want to see my kids. I even want to. I want the fourteen-year-old to be living with me. My older children from a first marriage, uh, who are twenty, are moving back with me. One's at uni. He said, "Dad, I've not seen you for a while. I want to move back with you." So, so I've re-established contact with my older siblings. I want to see my kids. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Tracy. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I know. I appreciate that. Now, what I mean is, what in terms of is it just weekend contact, fifty-fifty? Like, what what is it that you're looking yeah, for? Yeah, weekend contact would be fine. Okay. Uh, but you know, I've been in that life now for seven months. The judge has started to question. Okay. Well, what these Kafka reports were saying you've got no relationship. You need to rebuild. Yeah. You're a a, a, a a stupid dad, a working dad, by the way, for thirty-eight years. Yeah, who's made sure financially was secure. Yeah. Secured a medical negligence case worth millions for my son with a disability. But yeah, I'm a crap dad. Okay. And all so, I've done is four, four, four. All right, Zach. And so now, so let, yeah. let let me jump in there. So what you're what you need to do um, is you're you're gonna put together some sort of position statement. I don't know what the court's given you permission to file, but let's let's base yeah. it on okay, a position statement. So I've you're done that. You're going to, uh, well, let me tell you what needs to go into it, because that's your question. How Please. do I convince the judge? You're going to have an yeah. opening paragraph of no more than three or four, five lines that says, this is what I'm looking for. Right, so we start off with, this is what I need the court's help with. So we're very clear. The judge knows then what it is that she's being asked of you. Secondly, why you're not getting it. Don't run mum down too much but be clear across two or three paragraphs why you have been prevented from seeing your children. The third section, recognise the impact that that has had on the children. That's really important. So recognise the impact that by having no contact has had on them. And so that's almost like coming down the side of the mountain, right? So you, you, this is what I want. And then all the negatives as to why you haven't got it. And then we start to go back up again. And so then we have a couple of paragraphs about how important it is for the children to have a relationship with you. 
how you recognise it's all got to be age appropriate and you would suggest having FaceTime, telephone calls to lead up to eventually direct face-to-face, taking them out for a couple of hours on Saturday morning, extending that Saturday to all day Saturday and eventually leading to an overnight stay and set out in your position statement a six-month plan. But overall, Jack, keep it short and to the point. And therein lies the the skill of doing a really good statement because you've got to get all that information in, be really clever with your words, don't be clumsy with your words, make it really Mm -hmm. succinct, and that's how you'll convince a court. Because ultimately, the law that is governing the judge in making their decision says the children has a right to have a relationship with you. So in many ways, you are there, the voice piece of your children, but you have to recognise what's gone on in the past, accept that, and then convince the court that this is how we move forward in an appropriate way. And Tracy, just finally, if I may, uh, financial stuff, uh, she's had control of my property for a while. Is that something you're very good at? Because so far, like another caller said, we're really disgruntled with a lot of the solicitors that a lot of us have had. Yeah. And they don't give you any confidence. Yeah. And so that's the other bit. So the, her control and coercive behaviour has control, uh, ca- carried on from 2011. Yeah. When she uh, said, you can't see the kids unless I have security. And I had a detached house. Slowly, slowly, manipulatively got me to take the charges off that house, even though it's known I put deposit in everything else. I've never tackled these issues because I've got two kids with her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, when it, to, yeah. I'm just going to say, Jack, when it comes to the finances, that's a, that's a lot more clear cut. So, yeah, every family's law solicitor will do children and finances and divorce. So, um, I it, wasn't married to her. You weren't married to her. That's okay. No. That that doesn't matter. But the the finances, gift. yeah, the 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 finances are just a straightforward one off telephone conversation with any family law solicitor I, I would no, have no, thought I, I'm looking at you Tracy, okay yeah yeah okay no, I've had so I've so I'm, I'm, I'm broke. so that that's uh, a, that's a year of not working now that's a separate conversation um away from the children <laughs> but yeah I mean after a consultation I'd be able to tell you what it is that you're legally entitled to and we we would we okay. would devise a strategy of how you go to achieve that yeah and finally, what exceptional circumstances? My kid's got CP and he's under court protection. He's 17. He's got his own brain. He's very sharp. The judge has said, and I can't find any case law at the moment, about. and the judge was very clear. Uh, it was like a hint. Tell me what the exceptional circumstances. And I said, he's vulnerable. He's got uh, emotional needs and physical needs. I'm a 14-year-old uh, in May. Why I put the C100 in after I'd left her in February? was because he attempted suicide. So that's why I put the C100 in. Yeah. So, so sorry. What, really elaborate exceptional. Yeah, well then do it. But but don't, don't over-egg the pudding. Keep that to sort of one paragraph again, okay? Because your position statement is meant to be the seeds of your argument. So when you then get to court, if the judge wants you to elaborate on any of those paragraphs, you can. Don't feel that you've got to put every single word in the statement. Lovely. All right. I'm going to do with, I'm going to need to have a chat with you. I've emailed you separately. Okay. I've heard what another person said. Yeah. So if you could reply to me, I'd be so grateful. Of course I will. No problem Thank at all, Jack. You so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you.
Mart, I'm going to come back to you because I know that you invite, um, sorry, you um, ask questions on behalf of others. So how can I help? Beatrice, Hello. I have a question from, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Um, right, I got a question from an anonymous user. Yeah. Um, I have a court order in place. We've been in court t- December 2021 and Dad made the application again in July 2022. He already has 50-50 holiday contacts. Now in December 2022, he had the daughter for one week. The next contact was due and the school opens on the 6th of January. But Dad wanted her again on the 30th of December, which is not in the court order. Dad refused to pick up the daughter on the 6th of January because I didn't let her go on the 30th. Um, and it wasn't his contact anyway. Uh, he says he wants to go back to court and make her pay for it. Oh. His solicitor already sent a letter to my previous solicitor because the case was closed in July and asked for missed contact. I also refused... Yeah, sorry. He also refused half day on bank holiday again, which is in the court order by, which isn't in the court order by saying seven thirty is too early for a child to come out of bed. My question is, what shall I do with the letters, or if he proves me breaching the court order, which I haven't, what will happen? I've already spent four thousand five hundred pound for two hearings and can't afford any more. Uh, no, I, I hear you. I mean, the first thing I would say is in the question, she says, what do I do if he tells the court I've breached the order and obviously I haven't breached the order? Well, then he's never going to be able to prove that you've breached the order. So that's the first thing. From the way that question's worded, and I think we'd all agree, all of us who are listening, um, it, he just seems incredibly petty. You know, he, he doesn't have the child's needs focused at the forefront of his mind. This is all about getting back at mum, you know, picking a fight, um, and it's just inappropriate. What all you can do in that situation is stick to the court order as much as you possibly can. If the other person decides to bring you back to court for breach of the order, let them, is what I would say. And then you simply say to the court, this is what's happened. It, it's a pain, but, but let them do all the running around. And you certainly wouldn't need to get any more legal advice or pay for any more legal advice because you haven't breached the order you've got that order in place now you'll be able to represent yourself that's what i'd be saying to that lady it's fine there's a tail bit to this um question yeah um whatever was granted in the court were on his terms which includes 50 percent holidays but he believes his normal contact stays the same even during the holidays which doesn't leave her with 50 percent Well, it it can't. And again, I think common sense must prevail. I've often said a court order cannot cover every single eventuality. There comes a point when parents have to co-parent and just apply some common sense. So clearly, if he's been given half of the school holidays, that's going to interrupt the normal contact pattern. You know, it it just, what more can you say to somebody who, who just doesn't understand logic? Do you know what I mean? It's just, bless her. All she can do is sort of keep saying to him, what are the holidays that you want? If you want 50%, that's great, but it is going to impact upon the normal contact routine. Um, and if he doesn't like that, by the sounds of it, he's taking her back to court anyway. But what I don't want this lady to do is feel under duress that she has to go back and spend another £4,000 because she really doesn't. She really, really doesn't. 
As for the solicitors' letters she's received, does she just dis- disregard them? She uh, well, she can do one of two things. They're solicitors' letters, so they're not court orders. So she's not, you know, she doesn't have to be legally bound by them. Out of courtesy, I would reply, but I would reply to one. If she's received three or four, I would address all of them in one letter, and I would keep it really short and to the point. You know, I haven't breached the order. We've got an order in place. This is when your client can see the children. End of. Just, you know, less is more when when you're dealing with somebody on the other side who just doesn't apply logic. Less is definitely more. Smashing. Brilliant. Cheers, Trish. All right. Thanks, Mark. Bye. Right, guys, that gets us to the end of another evening of Family Law Questions. I hope that you guys got something out of that. Apologies to the 16 of you still with your hands up. I must admit, doing this later time of six or seven is is definitely proving popular. Um, The audience has never been as busy in Discord. Um, So thank you to all of you in the lounge listening. I hope that you enjoyed that. Back here again tomorrow at six o'clock. Um, to do another hour of family law questions. So if you didn't get your question answered tonight, feel free to join me tomorrow. Thanks again, Discord, and I'll see you then. Bye.